from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, June 23rd, 2017. My name is Jesse Carey, and if you're wondering why is Jesse hosting today, where is Cameron? We have a very special episode. I'm only, I'm just sitting in. I'm pitch hitting this week. Uh, uh, Cameron's never listening to this episode. He already says he doesn't listen when he's not here, and so I will say that for a lot of people, this is a highlight, and for the other 90%, this is a low light. Um, and before I jump into things uh, uh, and go around the room and let you know who's joining me i'm gonna read uh we have we have a really great sponsor today video blocks uh is sponsoring the show today video blocks is an affordable a subscription-based stock media site that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage their sister site audio blocks has a library of 130,000 plus music tracks sound effects and loops to complement your videos video blocks is one of the fastest growing largest stock video libraries with over three million that's million with an m guys uh, videos, After Effects templates, and motion uh, backgrounds. What did, what did we think millions started with? <laughs> I was saying well, it could have been 3,000. 3 million is impressive. That's a lot of video. I don't know the hours of video, but it's at least 3 million minutes at the very minimum. I'm keep, guessing keep going, it's in the tens of millions. You got it. Uh, this includes their uh, contributor marketplace that gives you 100% of the commission back to the artist and passes the savings to you. Don't forget, downloads are yours forever even after your free trials ends and is a 100% royalty free. This is a great solution, guys, if you're uh, you know, doing media or if you're doing stuff for a church or just making videos on your own. This month, Videobox is launching its latest collection, Creator to Creator, with more than 1,000 artistic and creative lifestyle clips in their newest collection, Video. Videobox is featuring videos and music from creators just like you for your next project. Here's the cool That's thing, cool. guys. If you go to videoblocks.com slash relevant creator, you can get uh, a, a two for one deal right now so you can get audio blocks for free when you sign up for your 149 dollars video block subscription today that's a 100 dollars discount off the regular price tag for our listeners only that's video blocks v-i-d-e-o-b-l-o-c-k-s dot com slash relevant creator to get two for one offer on unlimited downloads of both video and audio clips from video blocks and audio blocks. That's a great deal. So check that out if you're if you're yeah, a wow. creator and want to support artists and want a great library. Uh, uh, you're gonna want to check out video blocks and you get audio blocks for free. So like I said, today's a little bit of a unique show, and here's why. Uh, Cameron is he's cruising the seven seas right now. Uh, he he's having a great time, and he said, "Jesse, will you will you sit in for me?" Like I said, for a lot of people, this is uh, the, the show, the one of the year that they listen to to hear the train wreck. That, uh, yes, but I've been prepping. Although I will say, Jesse, I actually think this is like when you turn on Facts of Life and you realize it's like the one week where they just look back at old episodes, and you're like, oh, "Okay, I don't we're watch real quick, this. Eddie." Okay, I, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about that a lot this morning because uh, uh, not only is Cameron out. I am doing my annual show. My uh, my my in laws are, are you know get a house on the Jersey Shore every week, so I'm in the Jersey Shore. Prop where prop around the table. Propaganda is with us today. Prop where, where are you today? I am in Birmingham, Alabama, at Seeds Coffee. Ooh, and what are you doing in Birmingham, Alabama, at Seeds Coffee? 
I got a sold out uh, private listening party for uh, my oh, new snap. record. It's here at this oh, coffee snap. shop. And, and uh, hey, a little teaser. We might hear one of your songs coming up and then transition. Tyler Huckabee, Uh-oh. who's joining us. Where are you? Where are you recording from right now? I am in the jewel of the Atlantic, the Boston of the West. That's right. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> it's weird that you said you're at the jewel of the Atlantic, New York City, because I'm the one in Jersey Shore. So I think yeah. you're incorrect about that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Chandler and Eddie Koffels, who who are are, are illustrious producer as well as our esteemed co-hosts, uh, are, are in the Orlando studio. So as you said, Eddie, this would have been the perfect week to do what they did back on like the TGIF about midsummer, about this time of year, where you know it was weird because they broke like the fourth wall on that, where like Steve Urkel and Carl would sit down on a couch and it would start like a normal episode, like there would be like normal dialogue hijinks and then for some reason they just address the camera directly and start looking back at like montages of the best pratfalls of the season so far jesse i feel like this is more like a very special episode situation where we like finally talk about the real issues like we tell uh, everybody to get their parents have them listen to the show too and we talk about like some hard-hitting drug reality he's facing in america uh, right now yeah like when you like when uh when jesse spano got hooked on um yeah on, uh, antidepressant yes. drugs yes yeah. That's exactly what I was excited. Of. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly I'm so yeah. scared. This is that was a great episode. <laughs> I'm wearing hey guys, I just want to let everyone know that is my plan for this episode. I'm wearing a dare t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, you guys remember the sweet dare t-shirts. And I really, really have never heard you so hyped up. Like I, I need you to just <laughs> take your big breaths and like think about your space and all that. You are really doing it today, Jesse. You are so well, okay, you're such a here, professional host. Well, well, because that was the option. The option was look, everybody's out of town everybody's traveling it's summer you know so we have two options for the show this week we could do the tgif look back the recap and just tell chandler to go in the studio and figure something out (laughs) or we could do what i did which is hit the beach every morning at 6 a.m for the last week and do my apollo creed style training jogs uh to get prepped for a show like none other. It's either this is going to be the look back that everyone skips or this is going to be one of the best episodes of the season. I chose the latter. And I think the guests are going to really appreciate I think that the guests and the listeners are really going to appreciate this. So uh, thank you guys for for around the country right now representing and being on the show. I just I'll just tell you this. I just went online and bought 50 shares of audio blocks based on how sold I was on your pitch this morning. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I've heard a lot of ad reads, but there was almost nothing more compelling than that. <laughs> Jesse, how is the Jersey Shore? Is it like I've never been there. Is it like what I would assume from the MTV show or is it a lot better than that? No, it's a, I mean, I will say this. It's it's 100 more times 100 times more vape bars than the mm, TV show. Like I, was, I feel like the vaping industry was grossly misrepresented. Oh, I don't know if they were vaping when Jersey Shore was on though. Or if they wasn't I don't know vaping. If vaping was a thing, but I know tribal tattoos were. Oh, so yeah. I'm assuming there's a million like regretted t- tribal tattoos hey, all over d- the place. Hey, this is real talk. I am not, this is not even a joke. I swear this has happened. Yesterday I'm driving in the Jersey Shore and and I I, I was behind a van taxi. It's just not a regular taxi. It's like a van, like a like a minivan taxi. 
taxi. <laughs> and I swear to you, I'm not making this up. The back of the van had a tribal tattoo. Ooh, like, it had a tribal <laughs> tramp stamp sticker. Like, but not ironically. Yes. It was like the cab driver who was like, dude, I'm look, I'm driving a minivan taxi. Not exactly the coolest thing in the world. But what if I put this tribal tattoo sticker on the back? People, people are gonna want to, you know, they're gonna let the next cab go by to get this one. They oh, know the yeah. party's over here. I feel like there needs to be some sort of like support group for like 90s like meatheads that just got these like tramp stamp tribal tattoo dudes that they just they just like they have to be experiencing serious regret and remorse but they're too type a to admit it right like so they need some sort of support group where they can kind of be around each other and and maybe that's what the cab is maybe the cab is like a it's like a situation where he figures he's going to pick up a lot of dudes with tribal tats they get in they want to go to the jersey shore and he's like no we're going to church yeah. for the group like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's time we had a talk broseph like this is, this is a, a very yes. special episode of relevant podcast we were talking about yeah out talking about tribal tattoos getting real it's okay to admit weakness which is anything under 300 pounds bench pressing yeah and also uh that tribal uh barbed wire you have around your bicep but sometimes the hardest thing right. to lift of all right is your emotions that takes real strength guys yeah jesse how many <laughs> Je- just real quick question about jersey shore how many do you guys buy like um those glow sticks that go on your tongue like at Costco before you go or do you get them there? I'm just curious what like the price difference is. When, when you check into your rental home, they um, <laughs> they give you three things. They give you a key, they give you glow sticks, uh, yeah. and they also give you HGH, which is very cool. Yeah. I don't know that you can um, It's a cool perk to throw in there. Uh, human growth hormone. Um, and, so I'm juiced. And a vape I'm juiced, pin. I'm glowing, yeah. <laughs> this very special episode of Relevant Podcast is turning into... Special and not the way I was seeing it in my head initially. <laughs> I have a question for I have a question for you guys around the table, real quick. Yeah, how long before tribal tattoos come back? Ironically, and Ooh. you see, like Tyler, you're in New York right now. I can only assume you're going to be like, you know, you're, you're probably just got done strolling the, the streets of Brooklyn, you, oh, you yeah. know, fashion spotting from oh, yeah. or whatever the cool neighborhood there is now. It's true. How, how long before those cats are rocking tribal tattoos, like the normcore thing? You know, normcore. <laughs> That's, that's a really good question because now like the tattoo thing is like old timey sailor tattoos. You yeah, know, you get like, yeah. the, like you've been on the high, like out there with Cameron. Cameron's probably getting a sailor tattoo right now, like a mermaid situation mm-hmm. or an anchor. Um, I think tribal tattoos, I feel like, I feel like given the level of unrest in America right now, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of political uproar. Russia's up to something. There's going to be a, a backlash, and I could see that backlash taking the form of an ironic alpha male type situation, and that could definitely be tribal tattoos or like Japanese for hope or something like oh, that. Yes. Well, well, but I have a question in that scenario. So you're you're telling me that Vladimir Putin is going to call off the invasion of America because he sees so many bros walking around with tribal tattoos. He's like, look, my my Soviet army doesn't want any any part of that. No part of that. I want no parts of that manliness. I wasn't saying that, but now that you've said it, I definitely think that's the case, yes. Yeah, because they we've already seen how this shakes out in a Rocky movie when two meatheads go at each other, and one of them <laughs> trained in like a high... Ch- tech like video game arcade essentially and one of them all rocky did for his training in that film in rocky 3 was literally drive to the mountains and chop wood that's all he did in sweatpants and he didn't even have very good form and he crushed ivan drago so i mean you throw you throw some tribal link in that situation russia doesn't stand a chance i'm not worried at all 
Yeah. I also think that Vladimir Putin would just see a lot of guys with, with tribal tattoos in America and be like, eh, maybe it's not worth it. Like, is that, do I really want, do I really want this? Yeah. Or he might be like, I like these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Finally, somebody else who has a tribal Finally. tattoo. So you guys yeah, have I was always now. kind of American in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, guys, despite uh, despite my intro, we do have a great show for you today. Uh, joining us today is Maggie Rogers. Um, oh. She's got a new EP out. Uh, we also she's on the, the cover of, of the new issue, the latest issue of Relevant. We're, we're going to hear from her. We're going to talk to her and hear some uh, of her music, which has been causing quite a stir. I mean, not only is she on the cover of Relevant, she also impressed no other, none other than Pharrell. So uh, she's kind yeah. of a big deal right now. Not, not to brag, but she's headlining the show today when I'm hosting. I was saving her for when I'm hosting because I'm so excited about Maggie Rogers. Also joining us is Andy Crouch, who Eddie recently talked to Ooh, about his new book, brilliant. The TechWise Family. Yeah. Oh, man. Wait till you uh, hear this interview. I mean, you know, the interviewer is stellar. But Andy, really, like his new book, The TechWise Family, is really, really a thoughtful, well, just like Andy, just like a super thoughtful, mm-hmm. wise approach to technology in our home. And I, I love that guy. And he is so sweet. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Yeah. So, so, so we got we got something for everybody, including, um, you know, Russians with tribal tattoos, which that was the yes. boxes we wanted to check. When, when, when I was putting this show, like the demographic thing for sales, I said, listen, if we have any advertisers that want to hit Russian dudes with tribal tattoos, this is the week. So I can't wait to read uh, the, the second sponsor because uh, you're going to be real excited about this um, uh, new uh, taxi cab company that I'm reading. A sponsor. They got tribal link on, on their vehicle. So. Jesse, I know you're all like hopped up on Red Bull right now and really, uh, really going for it. But can I ask a few questions? Please do. Okay, prop. Tell me what it's yeah. like because I would like to live vicariously through you. So you've got an album that is phenomenal coming out. You've got you're at a sold out like listening sh- show tonight, right? Yeah. What is the whole machine like right now that's happening in your world to prepare for this album coming out? What's it all look like? And how much is it like Rocky versus Ivan Draco's? <laughs> yeah. How you many- know what? <laughs> the, the truth is that's actually a great parallel because <laughs> of my friends and my colleagues who I love dearly. I have like <laughs> one tenth of their budget. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and when I say sold out, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's only sixty tickets, right? No. But it's a coffee shop and it's sold out within three hours, which was like super encouraging. Prop in perspective, if the most of us said, Hey, we got a show like people, it would repel people. Like it would actually True. like it would, yeah. people would go elsewhere. You are able to like, just bring in small crowds, big crowds. So like it is very significant. So it's yeah. six, 60 no, people. I'm super excited shop. about it. Super yeah. thankful. But yeah, m- the machine is actually much more organic. Like we have, you know, there's label, like there's a lot of like, um, planning. There's a lot of front loading. The strength of humble beast, and which is the same strength of, of propaganda, is like at the end of the day, what we have is really good art. Yeah, you know, I don't have a big budget. I don't have like I have a publicist, but it's like a really small or boutique one um, who may or may not land like these big name. Like, there's no complex magazine article for me. There's no you know double XLs not covering my music. Like, maybe they will, but I don't know. It's yeah. like the strength of people that just really love what I do and I try to just make sure I have such a like personal touch so these so so the driving of this is like yeah I just I asked some friends like hey dude 
what do you think if I like walked fans through the album? Like just, hey, let's sit down. Let's go song by song. I'm going to tell you like literally what I was thinking and what the vision of this was. Let's just do it in five cities and see who wants to go. And then you put it, then I thought in my own head, like how cool would that be if like, if Radiohead was like, hey dude, there's a hundred tickets. I'm going to walk you through this album. Album's not out yet. You guys want to do it? Like I would be salivating. Yeah. So I tried to put myself like in their shoes, like, how cool would that be to sit with the artist to talk about, you know? So I, I, I try to do stuff that I would think is cool. You know what I'm Man. saying? Um, so yeah, I mean, we're chugging out music videos. I'm like, <laughs> my account is overdrafted because I'm, you know, putting up money for <laughs> CDs and yeah. airplane tickets. I'm using all my like frequent flyer miles. Yes. Like we're it's it's like it, i'm i'm running on fumes over here but i just believe in like you know what can happen on june 30th okay so tell me about that because like i realize like every once in a while like when i write something or even when like when we release the new activists like you're releasing something that is personal and there's that like yeah. total excitement that the world's going to hear it and also like oh no like the world's going to hear it like how how is it like feel inside you knowing that like the yeah. planet is about to hear some really like like you're your inner monologue. Yeah, yeah. To to wax Pentecostal here on y'all's uh, come on, on y'all's podcast. <laughs> no, here, like, man, bring it. There's I see that. Yeah, there's a good amount Far of like, sort of like spiritual kind of warfare, if you will, to mm. where my emotions and my heart and soul are all over the place. Yeah, like for for five minutes, I'm soaring on the mountains, being like, "Yo, this is exactly where God has called me. I'm gonna change the world. Mm. I'm gonna do Kendrick numbers." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the yeah. reality sets in <laughs> when you post a video for you know a new song, and you're like, "Oh, oh, four views, great." You know? Yeah. And um, and then there's this crash of like, I don't know why I'm doing this. You got you're too old. This is ridiculous. So just the highs and lows of that, you put all this work in there and no one's going to care, you know, or the same 40 people are going to care. And I love those same 40 people, but I wish it was 400,000. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Just I do. the ups and downs of that. So for me, my emotions are all over the place. Um, but when it all said and done, and then the, the, you know, the tweet comes back being like, yo, you just opened my eyes to a, B and C. It's yes. like, then it just you kind of even then the ship kind of evens out on the on the water again and you're like you know what this is cool oh, i really love what i do what, what, well profit if it's any consolation you know you sold out a 60 person you know these intimate shows sold out in, in five different cities all over the place i did yeah. a little open mic stand-up thing that i had to actually pay to get on at the herb life vape shop <laughs> at the shore and uh not only did people leave but uh they made me vape something to go on and pay quite a <laughs> The price, and I've been violently ill for about a day and a half. I don't know what they laced that with, but I can tell you this: uh, you know, it, nothing cool happened. I just felt like I was seasick, and uh, it's pretty serious. It's not looking great. I'm gonna have to get an IV after this because uh, yes. just stay away from the vape shops at the shore. And and uh, my comedy stopped making sense about yeah. uh, three minutes in. So bad experience Jeez. for me, good experience for yeah. you. But, so I'd uh, say, prop you, know, you and Jesse just, are having the same kind of experience. The two of you are in basically the same, spot. the same thing. Yeah. Thanks for being yeah. so vulnerable. Well, prop. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, hey, it's that time uh, in the show where we look back what's going on in entertainment and culture. That's right. 
It's time for Chandler play the thing here. In I'm the host. Play. Y'all a little Napoleon over here. Put that in there. Yeah. Don't don't cut any of this. I want the, this has got to be the most. Unedited that was not show. Inti- hey, prop. That was not intended to be edited. That was intended to be. <laughs> okay, listen, we're early in the show still, and I feel like you guys are getting away from me a little. And I needed to. I needed to yeah. reach across the table and make and make an, an example out of Chandler. I had dominance. I had two questions for prop that totaled about two and a half minutes of the show and it got away from vaping and Ivan Drago and that was a huge mistake. I wasn't referring to that. I was referring to uh, you know Chandler not being ready with in case you missed it. He couldn't read my mind and I'm pretty upset about it. Yeah. The prop conversations are is definitely the highlight of the show so far. Certainly. The entire show. So. Alright, so <laughs> uh, so this week Sufian Stevens and, and some of his collaborators played uh, songs from their Planetarium project for NPR. So I don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but Sufian Stevens team with uh, classical music composer Nico Mooley and the Nationals Bryce Desner to create an album inspired by the solar system. Uh, they played a live song, Mercury, over at uh, a studio in New York for NPR's field music recordings. Uh, as NPR explained, uh, Mercury is a closing track off Planetarium, a song cycle about the, the planets. Um, and like many of the pieces on the record, its lyrics are uh, a constellation of the cosmic, the personal, and the mythological mythological that's right you got it all right here people uh here is a clip of mercury and i'm desperate and all that i dreamed where do you run where do you run to and i'm evidence and all that i dreamed well that's a that's a that Everything that Sufian does right now is sort of surprising. But if you were to say that, I feel like he went away from 50 states and he went for the whole solar system. So it seems like an upgrade yeah. to me. Could there be anything more Sufian, though, than him and planetariums and NPR, all of it's coming together? It's just like he just looked around and pulled in all the words and things that would be attractive to people that like his music. And are like, yeah, I'll do this all at one time. Perfect. Y- you know when uh, Leslie Nope goes on Pawnee <laughs> yes. Public Radio? <laughs> yes. yes. And, they, and it's like a parody of like public radio. I feel like the host there, who's like, filling in for um, you know, David B. and Cooley, who's filling in for somebody else, uh, like in the cycle of filling in for people. I feel like one of the things they could have parodied was that was Sufjan Stevens with composer Nico Mali playing right. a song from the Planetarium in a studio in New York, the song inspired by the planet Mercury. Like, it's literally a self-parody, yeah. but it's a great song. So it was beautiful I and I loved it. So. Yeah. Well, in case you missed it, this is my favorite news item of the week. I was going to bring it as a slice, but I'm, I'm front-loading this bad boy. Uh, uh, when I say bad boy, I mean podcast, assuming people are going to jump off any minute now. Good clarification. Um, Michael Phelps has been announced as going to race a great white shark during Shark Week. So, as you guys know, this has been a big beef of mine. Discovery Channel long ago, like, stopped caring about these naive notions about, like, science and discovery uh, during Shark Week, and they've just started making Shark Week as insane as impossible. So, on July 23rd, uh, during Shark Week, which is just around the corner, uh, Michael Phelps, they're somehow going to have him... I, I really hope it's just like two lanes of a pool and the shark crosses over into his lane and they have to fight to the death immediately. That would be much more interesting. It's actually race. a secret ploy of the Olympics. They're like, we're tired of him winning. <laughs> yeah. it's, Putin, it's Putin again. He's sponsoring the shark. 
he's going to send one of his Russian spies down there to clip open the like the, the lanes in the pool, and that's going to take Michael Phelps out of commission. It's either going to be like the coolest thing that's ever been broadcast, or, or, or the lamest. And like I said, the, the only way it's going to be the coolest is if shark if Phelps if if Phelps has to fight for his life against the shark. Um, here, this is a statement. This is a statement from Discovery. Okay, they're one of the fast Chandler. I'm going to need you to put in some really sweet music and post this because I'm going to do. This is why I wanted to host the show today, just so I could read this. They are one of the fastest and most efficient predators on the planet. Sharks. He is our greatest champion ever to get in the water. Michael Phelps. 39 records, 23 Olympic golds, but he has one competition left to win. Side note. If if he if we're putting racing animals into it, he's got a lot more than one competition left to win. There's a lot of pretty sure there's some flounders out there that could smoke him. Oh yeah, or just even a jet ski. I want to see like like a jet ski <laughs> that he's been like. Okay, here's the, here's the scenario. Michael Phelps gets like a monkey wrench and three minutes to try to disable the jet ski before racing it. So it just kind of acted a little squirrely in the pool, <laughs> you know. Like that. That's what's next is is, is Michael Phelps in a jet ski. Uh, an event so monumental, no one has ever attempted it before. The world's most decorated athlete takes on the ocean's most efficient predator. Phelps v. Shark. The race is on. I cannot wait, guys. Hey, I have a shark. Yo. I have a shark question that I feel like somebody on this show will know. But like, I have so many questions. But yeah, you go first. But like, great white sharks. I, I I never see them in zoos. Like, uh, doesn't don't you feel like if there was a great white shark in a huge tank, a million people would come? Is there something about great white sharks that you can't get them in a zoo? What's the deal? I know, I know the answer to this. Actually, I knew they can't be kept in captivity. Why? They die. They die. Yeah. Why would something die in captivity? I I feel like part of my soul would die in captivity, Eddie. It needs the whole ocean. Okay. Okay. I need. It's a a creature of freedom. It lives. It literally subsists on freedom. Hmm. (laughs) I'd also like to add this: that this episode is not this episode of relevant. This episode of Shark Week. Yeah. Is the quintessential picture of the law of diminishing returns. Right. (laughs) That is a fact. It is because it, you just have to keep upping the ante. It was like man versus wild, two men versus wild, naked and afraid, right. naked and afraid couples. You know what I'm saying? You just have to like keep it's the it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We saw that already. Yeah. Oh, hey, sharks. Hey, look, sharks eating people. Sharks are dangerous. Sharks racing a human. Yeah. Sharks racing a human on a jet ski. Right. You know, so you just it's like, just the law of diminishing returns. It's like this. At the end of the day, guys, don't do drugs. Right. right. <laughs> Wise. I mean, it really is like they just know and their slogan is like, we've jumped the shark and they don't even get it. They're like, yeah, we know it's terrible, but you're going to watch yeah. every second of it. So own it. I will. Prop, it's weird. It's oh, yeah. weird that you said that. It looks like I missed the line of the last line of copy. Phelps v. Shark. The race is on. Oh, yeah. Michael Phelps would be naked because that's a thing now. So <laughs> I, mean, I forgot to mention during the race, both the shark and Michael Phelps will be completely nude. So that's important. To say. <laughs> but I also wonder what it is about Michael Phelps. Like in his I, I, I like want to go behind the scenes when his agent like walks into his office and is like, hey, Michael, fun opportunity. Uh, shark week turning it up a bit they want you to race a shark and like the moment he goes from no i'd absolutely not do that to this show like that's a strange strange series of decisions and concessions yeah, on his to part. say that this maybe you know what it's something about this like if you 
If you've won 23 Olympic gold medals, right. really nothing yeah. else to accomplish. <laughs> and, and he doesn't need money. I'm assuming Michael Phelps is pretty much set. Oh, yeah. You know? That is a really good point. And I think like Michael Phelps and probably thinks like, oh, my next stop is I'll get into acting and, you know, I'll do a promotion <laughs> and stuff. But then he's like, oh, I guess uh, guess I probably will race that shark. The, the other thing, too, and I think shark. I brought this up before is like the evolution of Shark Week itself, because it, it, when they did like a documentary about like mythical sharks that they were trying and like mer people, like it was like a fake educational documentary about mer people. It was over. But I agree with you prop like this is the moment that sharks finally get their revenge because before like they just started doing like fictional stuff um like basically shark week had become is instead of doing research about sharks it was just ways to like annoy sharks in the wild so we're gonna pull like a wetsuit that looks like a seal behind a boat just to see if we can catch you jumping out of the water in super slow-mo for like an hour and there's like a guy with a clipboard like a steve zisu type acting like he's taking some kind of research notes and then it's literally guys going in cages and just seeing if they can reach their hand through the bars and punch the shark in the face for the sake of science (laughs) this is their moment for revenge right now i really yes one episode if they're exactly and if if they're gonna if they if we're just gonna go into this world they need to do one where it's shark week from the shark's perspective where the shark is finally just saying where you could see their dialogue the shark is going now they know that this is called shark cove they know what we eat they know we have no regard for their life they keep still keep getting in this water What's, like the shark is going why do they think they're the more evolved species yeah and the shark is like dude punch me in the nose one more time see what happens please Holy i'm punch me in the nose one more time he's like hey earl watch this yeah i'm gonna tempt him yeah tyler did you have i sorry you were saying something do you have an observation about this well an observation too yes first of all i realized listening to you guys talk about this I'm out of my lane here, I, and I, I'm aware of that. But uh, I feel like the shark version of People Week would be like sharks bite off one of our arms for sport on camera <laughs> and then show it to the other sharks. They're like, oh, yes. wow, people are truly amazing creatures. But the way they show it off is by like making fun of us, essentially. So the shark is, yeah, the shark just, yeah, he's not really eating them. He just swims up, jumps, snatches one off the boat, brings it back down. And then the shark is doing like a scientific research. He's saying in this, the homo sapien has a very small heart. If you notice, they really only have 32 teeth. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, the final is like, okay, the shark is going to try to jump in the boat and, and yank the guy with the clipboard that is acting like this is has any scientific value to get me to jump out of the water and punch me in the face. I'm taking that guy the guy with the beard and the clipboard and the weird accent from some university that doesn't exist that's the grand finale we're eating the guy with the clipboard so uh tune in you don't you don't miss that you don't want to miss the michael phelps race uh also this week uh it was announced that amazon is buying whole foods for 13.7 billion dollars look i'm sure there's a lot to unpack here um that amazon is going to revolutionize the grocery industry that they're going to probably implement some sort of like technology like they they were sampled where you don't have to actually pay in a cash register but the real reason i wanted to bring this slice about uh amazon purchasing whole foods is not for its social or technical implications but because the the, the internet as uh, i saw a uh, national big noted this the internet literally everyone made the same joke uh, when it was announced uh and this is from warren light on twitter amazon buys whole foods for 13.7 billion roughly the equivalent to 11 shopping bags yeah. of their organic berries yeah. 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 that's yeah. the only reason i wanted to bring this it, it, it was the perfect setup <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it was a little easy, but it it is a pretty fascinating deal, though, isn't it? Yeah. What, what do you think? What, how do how how do you think your Whole Foods shopping experience is going to change now that Amazon is running the show? I don't think my Whole Foods shopping experience will change. I think my Amazon experience will change because I forget. I don't think it was like Washington Post said that essentially what Amazon did was buy I don't know how many stores it is like three hundred and something perfectly positioned like uh, distribution hubs for Amazon. And so it's just That's what they did. Yeah. Right. Cause so it's like, uh, I mean, some people already get groceries, but I don't. So now in theory, we'd be able to get the grocery thing that Amazon does, but it's really fascinating what it will look like and the, the deli- what, what that will mean for the Amazon services. I thought it was kind of crazy. Yeah. My yeah. fear is like when you, when something doesn't feel like money, <laughs> like, do you spend more or spend right. less? Right. That's yeah. my question. Yeah. Like, if I know I'm not going to have to, like, watch the register numbers go up, 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 up. Right. That's usually when my discretion kind of clicks in where I go, yo, do we do we really need these, you know, free range croissants in That's my right. house? That's right. You know, so, you know what? We're good. We're not going to do the croissants. Right. But if I just get to walk in. And then walk out, I'm going to be like, how much did I just spend or, right now? Or e- she's not going to know. Or even worse, if it's like, Alexa, free range croissants, please. And they just show up and <laughs> everything is-, is just so convenient for you. It's like there was no real money exchanging there except straight into Jeff Bezos' pocket. Well, 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 yes. Okay, I have, a, I have a theory. And I don't know if any of you guys, this is kind of an out there theory. But I feel like Amazon realized like they needed to meet a need. Like they needed a business shift because... Maybe it's just me, but I feel like Amazon and Whole Foods accomplish like two different like psychological needs for their customers. Whole Foods is a place where people go to be seen buying things that make them feel better about themselves, like expensive, ethical, healthy food. Like they can be very proud of themselves that they are walking out of Whole Foods with like you know gorzonzo gorzonzo beans that were you know raised in ethiopia or whatever you know that they spent 15 dollars for where people buy stuff on amazon so they don't have to be embarrassed walking out of the store with it like i'm not True. going to i'm not going to the sword store in the mall and buying the sword and the nunchucks <laughs> and the ninja stars even though i want to i'll definitely order it from amazon because there's no judgment and no shame so amazon realized that people are just buying weird embarrassing stuff on their site but people go to whole foods just to be seen buying cool stuff from Whole Foods. So I think they're just trying to like marry those two different psychological needs in one location. There you go. Brilliant. I don't know. Just just one man's theory. Okay, finally, in case you in case you missed it, Sony now says it's not going to release censored versions of its movies if the filmmakers behind them object. So here's what happened. The studio recently announced uh, it was going to do something called the Clean Version Initiative. And they were going to release versions of films from the, from the recent Sony archives. It was from... Uh, like 18 different directors um, that they were the ones that they air on like airplanes and broadcast TV, yeah. which fill in curse words with, you know, things that literally make no sense, like substituting a curse word with, or like they edit out like scenes that you don't want to be sitting there in an airplane watching with someone sitting next to you, uh, like judging your, your entertainment choices. So they were going to go ahead and sell those. Uh, well, what happened is, uh, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, Adam McKay, and some others, uh, spoke out and said they were totally against this, that Sony didn't have the right to edit their art, 
in order to make more money. So now Sony has actually walked it back a little and said that, uh, this is a quote from one of their executives, our directors are, are of paramount importance to us, and we want to respect these relationships to the utmost. We believe we obtain approvals from filmmakers involved, um, but basically, you know, said, you know, they're going to make an extra step that if any of them are unhappy or have reconsidered, we will discontinue the clean versions of their films. So some of the movies on here are <laughs> uh, just the fact that so, that anyone would want to buy these movies anyway is it, it makes no sense. Like who's wanting not only clean versions of Big Daddy or Fifty First States, but who is looking to purchase those in two? 2017. The fact that there's a market for someone out there looking for Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler's uh, rom com flop, first 50 first dates, much less a yeah. clean version to show children, is baffling to me. But also, like Step Brothers, the movie's going to be like 15 minutes if you edit it down. Like, it, it's, that doesn't make any sense, like, why they would do that. Also, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I wasn't aware that it needed a clean version. You could just turn the subtitles off and just watch the kung fu scenes if, if you're offended by what they're saying. <laughs> anyway, it looks like uh, it's still happening, but uh, filmmakers are able to object. So, uh, yeah, if you if you're looking for a, a 20 minute version of Step Brothers, I think you're out of luck because Judd Apatow's out. But otherwise, uh, yeah. you know, Adam Sandler's all good with this. So, anyway, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Next up, slices. Why couldn't you just hug me? Look me in the eyes and tell me love is lovely. Ribbons in the sky that Stevie Wonder flung me. Sing lullabies to the sun you brung me. But your eyes just won't keep their mouth shut. Wait a minute, how come? You get to choose our outcome. It's quite a tussle. Have we become that couple? Well, your love is just comfortable. You're listening to right now a, a new single, Bear With Me. From our very own propaganda. Wait, and you can see the video right now on relevantmagazine.com, which I gotta say, coolest music video I've seen in a long time. It was, you know, these long yeah, tracking yeah. shots. Uh, if you wanna check out not only a great tune, but a great video, check out Bear With Me from Propaganda. Thank you. Congratulations, Propaganda. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard the War on Drugs, the single Holding On. And I got to say, these a lot of these songs today were Tyler picks. I, I hit up Tyler. I was like, dude, I need you. I need you to rock the Let's go, DJ. Tyler. Uh, me and up. So, you teamed uh, me up yeah, for it. Good selections, man. Thanks. So far, so good. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, feedback from the listeners. <laughs> yeah, it you? goes downhill. I, you know, most of it was uh, a lot of Journey songs that, uh, yeah. that uh, you know, we're, we're back on face here. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Tyler's original playlist was about 25 songs. Um, and it was uh, back in the high life again. Yeah. It was higher love. Yes, um, Steve it was Winwood. a lot of yacht rock, but uh, you know we can take it a lot of directions. But so far, <laughs> those so are not time. bad choices, though. Like, my, let's my, be new sing- my, my new single, my parents wouldn't let me watch Step Brothers, is coming up. So get the kids together, get everybody like get them, give them lots of copy because it's coming and it's going to be. I think this is going to be my big break. If I ever pick there the music, is. I want the opening song to be the uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You ever heard that song? No. It's just a very historical like song about the wreck of some ship but i want us to play the whole thing and they never really go to they never really move to a chorus in it they just kind of sing the words a little differently and then they're back into it wreck of the edmund fitzgerald that's how you'll know when i'm hosting the show it's amazing (laughs) all right well uh guys i usually stay away from political material uh in slices you know i I like to keep this kind of light and fun and you know there's a lot of heavy political stuff happening right now but cameron's gone and i'm gonna do one um that was a big political controversy that happened this week uh and it started when senator ben sass of nebraska uh had a very um alarming tweet 
on Friday. So just a couple days ago from when we're recording. Uh, now, I, I don't even know the political affiliations of the senators involved here, and they don't matter to me. What matters is that, you know, we've lost the ability to agree to disagree in this country or to, you know, have any sort of relationship with our colleagues. And that's why I'm bringing this. Like I said, I don't know the political parties of the people involved. So politics aside, this is what happened in our own in our own country. And people should be very alarmed about this. So he tweeted on Friday that uh, he was being victimized by something. Um, and this is this is this is word for word tweet. And uh, I can't help but think this is uh, pretty serious. He tweeted to whoever just subscribed my email accounts, parentheses, family, work, even obsolete to multiple Nickelback promotional and fan newsletters. It's period, not period, funny, period. My favorite part about this tonight from Senator Ben Sass is that he he didn't just write multiple Nickelback promotional uh, uh, and fan newsletters. He actually did at Nickelback so that like, like, like he didn't need to do that. Like if he just wanted to like r- like raise the alarm of like, look, this is not funny, guys. My family gets these emails, but he actually tagged Nickelback in it just so Nickelback could see like, see what you're doing. You're ruining politics in America, okay? Like he did not need to tag Nickelback, but I like oh, that man. he did. Okay, so yeah, Nickelback it, it, can the, the, cry the, in their uh, in their uh, tissues made of money, yeah, and. And 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 drown their sorrows in the twenty million records sold. I don't think they care that they are a joke. Hey, trust me. All. Hey, pro- they, trust me. Trust me. They care. Jesse, Jesse okay. got called out by Nickelback. I believe, I believe you got called an obscenity by Nickelback. Am I right, Jesse? I did. I did. I would. <laughs> you know, so you're listening to the Clean Initiative version of this podcast, but <laughs> yes. if, if you weren't, I would tell you what Chad Kroger called me on Australian radio. It was an. It was literally an international incident That's so uh, involving three nations: Canada, America, and Australia. But Are you serious? Nickelback poisons a lot of things. They poison a lot of things, and now they poison politics. So uh, Senator Ben Sass uh, was not having this. You know, like I said, the fact that included my family <laughs> email accounts so he sent this out thinking you know this is going to be like you know, something about how you know vitriolic politics have have come a couple days later he got a private message <laughs> from an unexpected culprit his congressional colleague senator orrin hatch of utah uh who was behind the prank all along and privately apologized uh to senator sass because he thought it was just all in good fun it was just a workplace prank gone totally awry because Sass didn't think it was funny and felt the need to publicly call out this prank. Again, if we're not even in a place in politics, like if one of my coworkers signs me up for a Nickelback account, the last thing I'm doing is going on Twitter and, and angrily asking who signed it up for you know who signed up for me. But but we can't even we can't even play a harmless Nickelback prank in Congress without people getting bent on our shape. So Senator Orrin Hatch, good on you. Expect an email from me to be welcomed on this show for Outlaw Hero. Uh, version three later this week. So be on the lookout for those uh, emails, Senator Hatch. We're going to get to the bottom of this. This this episode of Outlaw Heroes is going to be a healing episode. I'm going to bring Senator Ben Sass in, and we're we're going to get we're we're going to do some healing. We're going to do some redemption here. So uh, good on you, uh, Senator Hatch, for 
keeping a little humor alive. But uh, yeah, it just shows, you know, you can't even play a joke with these people anymore. So Senator Orrin Hatch, I salute you. And if I lived in Utah, I don't know what your policies are, but you got my vote. So anyway, <laughs> what, do, what do you got, uh, Eddie? Well, I, I would like to share the story of a guy who I was kind of laughing at at first when I read his account. And then I realized I was really laughing at myself because I am a fairly, uh, I'm, well, I try to be a handy person. Are any of you all handy around your house? Like, will you actually? Not at all. Not even a little bit. So do you just immediately call someone? Yeah. Well, really, again, file this under my wife's better than me. She, uh, mm. she pretty much does it. Man, that's a great perk. Um, that is an amazing thing. Well, I try to do things all around my house all the time. And I would say half the time it goes pretty well. Uh, and now I would say probably 10% of the time it goes pretty well. And about <laughs> 90% of the time I call our handyman and I'm like, hey, put my foot through the ceiling. Can you help me? Um, the, the, the weird thing is like Eddie put his foot through the ceiling, but he was working on a driveway project. It makes right. no sense. Uh, how yeah. Physics worked on this one. It doesn't even make sense the way that I destroy my house. Well, uh, Jerry Lynn, I love this guy from Ross Township, Pennsylvania. Let me tell you what he decided to do. Um, he explained uh, in this article that he he took an alarm clock, a battery-powered alarm clock, and tied it to a string. He put it down through a second-story air vent and lowered it down, hoping that its sound would help him figure out where to drill a hole for his TV cable. So <laughs> what? So he's trying I'm already to already on board. So, I love it. So what he does is he sets the alarm to go off for ten minutes later. So and then he ties it to a string, goes off and te- for ten minutes later. <laughs> Lowers it down the air vent, hoping that when the string goes off, he's downstairs now listening and goes, oh, there's the beep. Right. Pops a hole in the wall. He has the perfect hole. Now he can install his cable. A lot of a lot of questions, of course, arise here. Why wasn't the cable installer installing his cable? But I guess maybe. Jerry just does his own cable. If, if trying, anything, trying to yeah, save a few bucks. He's going, he, yeah, it should. He should know this is stolen cable that he ran a private line from the cable box. <laughs> Julia's so. neighbor's cable. That's why. Now, now, let me ask you guys. I don't think you know. If you know the slice, don't wreck it. But um, what happens next? <laughs> do we get multiple choice? No, I'm just going to tell you. You all have tried to do stuff on your house at some point. I can't guess. I don't know. You're lowering down a haphazardly tied alarm clock into the wall of your house, uh, and it falls. And it, it falls, that alarm it clock falls out. Falls out. Yes. So now <laughs> Jerry Lynn has an alarm clock in between the walls of his house that he can't access, and it goes off and it starts oh, beeping no. ten minutes later. And then it stops. And then the next day, because he couldn't figure out how to get it, it goes off at 10 till 8 as it goes off every single day. Because Jerry Lynn dropped this alarm clock in 2004. What? What? And it has not stopped ringing. Literally last week, he's like, yeah, come over at 10 till 8. And at 10 till 8, the news crew walked in. And in between the wall, it goes off it turns off they asked him well why haven't you just gone through the wall he's like it's such a hassle to go through the wall and my wife and i kind of get used to it because it's 10 to 8 part of the year and 10 to 9 the rest of the year because it doesn't know the time change 
but they're saying that they have to get this clock so out of the good. wall at some point because it's the greatest commercial ever for both this clock and also the batteries that run it because for 13 years that's amazing the clock has been going off and he said he dropped in the hole and he told his wife oh certainly it won't be more than a week or two and now it's just a part of their life uh, no information as to how he ended up getting the cable run how crazy he ends up being because you know every day at 10 to 8 the clock yeah, how goes many off. people how many people are locked in the hole in the basement that he dumped Does it say <laughs> right, that? right. Uh, i just want to say jerry lynn you're a hero and i um i feel you i feel you Ten to I late. think I told this story before, but my favorite prank that we played in college was a guy. We had <laughs> yeah. we had like those tile ceilings on the top floor of our dorms that you could like move to the side, you know. Yeah. And we would we snuck in this guy's room and we put an alarm clock in there and, and set the alarm for like four thirty in the morning. So all he knows he's asleep and an alarm clock is going off somewhere. And so night after night, he's thinking it's a it's a room somewhere or, or whatever. Eventually, he finds it in the ceiling. You know, uh, but but it's just driving him crazy night after night. So the next time we did it, uh, after he found it, we put another one up there, <laughs> and then we put another one for thirty minutes later. And the thinking on thirty minutes is it's just enough time to like let the Fall rage let the rage go away, <laughs> and you're fa- you're just now falling back asleep. Uh, like you're super gosh. mad they did this again, but you know it's back in the ceiling. You know exactly where it is. You're gonna go get it. You, you can let your rage simmer and think about how you have like two precious hours hours of sleep left yeah and 30 minutes is the exact time that your body shuts down from like the adrenaline and just the the the, the pure anger and hatred you feel towards the person that played this prank on you that's when the second alarm clock deeper into the ceiling goes off right when you're falling asleep and that one was like uh still like within an arm reach so he could still grab it but we covered that one in peanut butter so not only did not only did he uh have a rude wake-up call a second time he got like he grabbed something with a texture of peanut butter in the dark in the middle of the night it was i mean it was one of our most beautifully crafted pranks uh and i'm pretty proud of it it really is a beautiful thing. I love the hiding things in places and people discover it later. I think that that is about as funny as it gets. But Jerry Lynn just did it because he was, you know, like the rest of us and too yeah. lazy, apparently, to Trying bust to a little hole in his wall. Yeah. Good. Good on you, Jerry. I appreciate both your initiative and the laziness that you demonstrated for 13 years. Being 13 years it. of laziness. I also feel like the, the, the gold he gave his wife to he, she could always be like, oh, really? Exhibit A. Seriously. So there's always something she could That's cut her true. eyes at at him about, oh, really? Oh, you going to fix that? Every yeah, day at 10 till 8, she just darts across the room at him and he just knows I lost again. Yeah. You know, she he could never win an argument. She could be yeah. like, "Oh, really? He's hey, lost let's, every let's, fight. Let's, He's lost every fight." Yeah, let's just let's t- let's pick this up back up at about seven forty three. Right, right. That's right. We'll pick it up right back then. That's right. All right, Tyler. What do you have? I, I feel I feel like the bar's been set really high though for this one. But I love the story. I think longtime listeners of the relevant podcast know that I have I have a. A strongly held belief about the ocean, uh, which is that people should not go into it or be a part of it. The right. ocean is for sea animals, people are land animals, and when you try to mix things up, that's not God's design. That's not what, yeah. what we're meant to be. So, so what what you're saying is basically a sin to go. Into <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, there's a penalty for it. So, yeah, sure, I'll call it a sin. I don't mind it. And I feel like my belief was further. Uh, what was proved 
today again with a new report that comes that came out that says up in Alaska, killer whales are organizing into gangs to shake down Alaskan fishing vessels for their fish. It's a report from the National Post, evidently, that says uh, their fishermen are afraid to go out into the water anymore because there are schools of killer whales who are just hanging out there waiting for fishing vessels to hit to, to pull out of port. And a number of these fishing vessels have had to turn around and pull back into port because the killer whales won't let them go anywhere. The few that do make it out of port actually they are there fishing the killer whales act natural this is an organized crime situation so they're good at their jobs they know what they're doing they they just swim around minding their own business acting all natural until the vessel captures all the halibut that it needs and then when it starts to go back home the killer whales attack and rob it blind they've been known to even cut off the nets that they have on the side of the vessel and then just run off with this fisherman's catch for the day and uh, the good people of alaska don't know what to do anymore said one fisherman to the anchor Edge Daily News. It's gotten completely out of control. We've seen it before, but never like this. I'm not sure what we're going to do. I have so much commentary for this one. <laughs> Give it all to <laughs> us. <laughs> My first commentary is which one of us is the thieves? Going back to your argument about uh, do we belong in the water? Because first of all, I I. I adore seafood. I eat everything out the water, even the water. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. But you can say that we have interrupted their food cycle and food chain for millennia, right? So one could argue we were the thieves, right? And then, and since we have a moral compass, we're the ones that knowingly are the thieves, <laughs> right? The The killer whale <laughs> is going oh, this is simple math. I can try to wait to catch about four or five of these things or in that thing over there, they're all just kind of hanging out. Why don't I just go do that? Yes. It's simple logic to them. You're pitching prop like a Robin Hood situation. Like these are actually noble thieves. No, uh, I'm sure that there's no concept of thievery. No, they're, they're just like all the fish are right there. Why don't I just wait for them to all gather? Yeah, they don't have the ability to reason. They just are constantly yeah. looking for the most food, and that's where they can find it. Okay, now yeah. I'm going to stop you right there, Eddie. Killer whales absolutely have the ability to reason, to reason. I'll have you know that, quote, they have some of the most advanced social structures in the animal kingdom. They have languages that differ from region to region and have even been observed developing new new and unique hunting techniques and then teaching them to others. Yes. I got a question. I got a question, Mr. Smart Guy. Are they smart enough to prevent us from capturing them, putting them in pools and making them doing <laughs> do exotic dance routines? I think not. I I think we're the ones still at the top of the food chain here. Yes, they are, because there's a movie called Free Willy in which we tried to do that, and he got out. Boom. Not the last time I saw one doing flips for my amusement. All I paid was $30 to get in, and I watched him do flips to my heart's desire. So we we win again, killer whales. And FYI, I've said this on the show many times, but if they didn't like to do the flips, why would they be doing it? I would say this exactly. That killer whale has to know because it has spatial visualization that it is 42 times our size. So they have to know, you know, we could end this whenever we feel like it. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I think everybody wins in the SeaWorld situation. Everybody wins. (laughs) So, Prof, what do you got for your slice, man? 
Oh man, I have, I feel like I have the best like overlap slice in the sense that I feel like this covers a bunch of topics that we're clearly passionate about here. One is our faith. One is, uh, the, the, the pushing of technology and the other is, uh, robots with personalities that we don't like. Right. So one of the earlier shows that I got to be a part of was robots with prickly personalities. Okay. Yes. Yes. Like the nerd robot, right. Or the robot that was finally is the dad you never had. Right. So too close to home, too close to home. Yes. I, I, I feel like, I feel like, so this one overlaps. Now there's one thing that we've haven't, seen robots sort of infiltrate how we check out our food how you what amazon's you know whole foods is about to be a robot because you just walk in and Mm -hmm. right so but it hasn't got into our pulpits well until now Okay. okay so 500 years after the reformation in germany there is a robot priest oh no it has a touchscreen chest. It can deliver blessings in five different languages. Wow. And you just run up on it and you tell it what you want. Wow. The article says the robot priest delivers blessings in five languages and beams light from his hands has been unveiled as a part of an exhibition to mark the anniversary start of the Reformation. Right. Uh, y'all Europeans, man, y'all have an wow. interesting way of celebrating uh, <laughs> reforming y'all's churches. Uh, He said, we wanted people to consider it possible to be blessed by a machine or if a human being is needed. That was the question. So it's touchscreen. It has these different languages. You can run up on it. If you need a blessing, you tell it what you need. These hands come up and it shoots a beam of light out at you and then goes back down. And it's, they lovingly enough because they considered us gave the robot a face and it has eyebrows so that it can give you like loving facial expressions as it's pronouncing robot blessings in whatever language you chose it to do it. Now listen, prop, prop, follow my logic here, follow my logic here and correct me where I'm wrong. Okay. So what we're saying is, is something has been programmed by there's So there's a real person that started it. The real person programmed these blessings into this robot. And so this prayer was transferred into zeros and ones, and now people are receiving it, right? Yes. What is the difference between watching Andy Stanley give, give a sermon that he gave four days ago and being moved by it and praying You're right. with him? Hmm. Yeah. You're right. Well, Nailed it. I, th- Next th- slice. That's a, that's a valid point. I also have another one. Okay, You're Jesse. Right. <laughs> multi-site churches. You like, walk into yeah. a room and there's a screen. And when that guy prays True. or that, that woman True. prays, like that was a couple days ago. And yet yes. we're still believing yeah. that they're able to access God, even though there is there was a, a data lag between it. You make a great I, point. Wow. It's I've not never even felt sound this waves, before. Just sound waves. They're yeah. just zeros and ones yeah. also. I feel so affirmed. I wish my dad robot would have done that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think, Eddie, you bring up an interesting kind of metaphysical and theological point. I have another one. I think this is great for confession. If you did something really bad that you don't want to tell another human about because it'd be way too weird, like you can just walk up to the robot and be like, you know, know, forgive me, Father Ives, and they're like, what did you do? And you're like, murder. And then you're like, I'm good, right? Like legally, like I, like you can't tell, and I'm absolved, so I don't have to tell anyone about that, right? All is like, forgiven. I feel like this is a perfect invention. Three hail marys, all is forgiven. 
That's how they work. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that, 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 that prop. I'm I, next time I'm involved in in a criminal activity. I'm going to remember this robot, and uh, I think yeah, he's leading my way out. So uh, appreciate you bringing that. Well, guys, that'll do it for slices. We're we're flying right, right along here. Next up, Maggie Rogers joins us. Listening to SZA, the song is Drew Barrymore, another Tyler Huckabee banger we got going there. In case you're looking to, uh, to find that song on Spotify, it's SZA, all caps, SZA, the song is Drew Barrymore. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of premium digital spoken word audio information and entertainment on the internet. This includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products. And guys, this is an incredible time uh, to subscribe to Audible if you've never have. Uh, there's so many great books. Uh, I like listening to books because you can like multitask. You, you know, I can be doing home repairs with my earbuds in, listening to a new book. Like, I can be dropping while I'm dropping an alarm clock into the wall of my home. Like it's a perfect, yep. it's a perfect invention. I can be, I can be enlightening my mind while destroying my home. And now it, for the first time ever, it's their binge listening event. And oh. this is, uh, you're invited to take part to get great listens and big savings on their biggest sale ever. Here's how it works. You can enjoy all the benefits of a gold audible membership, uh, which is celebrity narrated audible books, new podcasts and audio shows exclusive content and more and right now you get a year of audible for just $99 and a $50 savings since Hmm. audible's annual membership is $149.95 so you get a year of audible for like a a portion of what it will cost normally if you take part in the audible binge event the sale for this binge event ends on june 28th so you don't have very much time so if you want this deal if you want this audible subscription and get 50 dollars off you can go to audible.com slash binge that's audible.com slash b-i-n-g-e and you can get this great sale Right now, I'm listening to uh, uh, a classic because, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, the second season of his podcast came out, which I've really been enjoying. But also, like, it reminded yeah. me of not just what a good writer and uh, thinker Malcolm Gladwell is, but he's a great orator. Like, yeah. he has such yeah. a cool voice. Yeah, so I went and re-downloaded on Audible Outliers, which, have you guys read Outliers in the past? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You feel so much smart. You listen to Outliers just even if you only listen to ten minutes on Audible, you feel so much smarter. So you can check out books like that and tons of other ones. And you want to uh, if you want if you want to get great savings on them, go to Audible.com/slash/binge right now. Can I say Jesse one? Can I say one Audible thing that I really like is that we talk about so many books on this show and on all of the podcasts. You know, Shauna just had yeah. the great. Uh, she had like an enneagram. I forget what the person's name was, but it was just super interesting and they had a yeah. book out and yeah. all these are on audible. And so it's like, I feel like, um, 
I don't know. I just like that because there's just so much information coming at you and you can play audible books at two times and it makes me feel a lot smarter faster. Yeah, yes. absolutely. That's all I have to say so, about so, that. And like I said, if you want a great deal, you got th- through July 6th to take part. Well, our next guest is Maggie Rogers. If, if Maggie Rogers sounds or looks familiar, that's because she's right now on the cover of Relevant. She has such a cool story. Um, her song, Alaska, was featured in a viral video where she was a, a student at NYU at like their songwriting course and it blew away Pharrell to the point where you know he said yeah. that you know he he not only did he not have notes from her but he was inspired by her and so in in the most recent issue of relevant we talked to Maggie not only about that experience but what it's like being one of the names thrown around as potentially one of the next big pop stars uh, her latest EP is called now that the light is fading uh, we got a chance to, to sit down with with Maggie in this interview talk about the experience with Pharrell talk about what uh, inspires her to write music even how some ancient hymns has inspired her her pop music and we're gonna listen to some of now that the light is fading uh as we uh as we talk to her so without further ado here is maggie rogers definitely seems like there are a, a, a lot of themes in your music have to do with nature and the seasons did growing up in sort of a rural area inspire that in terms of the songwriting at all do you think i think so i mean i think you kind of write what you know and i always like you know i, I think i always feel that the natural world echoes um my emotions um, and I always find sort of images of, of the way that I feel in the natural world. Sort of like, I mean, I think the CP title, Now the Light is Fading, is sort of, for me, the entire EP is really about transition. Now, I, I wrote the CP almost exactly a year ago, so I was a senior in college thinking about graduating and what the world would be like when I was, you know, a free-falling, freewheeling adult. And... Um, and I think that like that sort of transition um, and dusk is what that that sort of represents for me. Yeah, and there's definitely been a transition for you, I feel like, musically, too, when you listen to, you know, some of the music that you made early on to the music you have now. Obviously, your vocals and some of the themes are there, but musically, that was seems like a huge transition as well. I mean, I think the transition really happens in production because the songs, to me, feel very similar. Um, and the way that I'm expressing myself and the vocabulary that I'm using and the structure feels like, you know, they all still feel like folk songs. I play them all still on acoustic Like, they translate, as far as I'm concerned, um, into folk music or just sort of stripped down music. But, um, but as far as, I mean, I moved to the city and I studied music production. So I had always done, been doing production in high school and in Maryland. I went to high school in Delaware and, you know, 
production for me always just sort of meant arrangement, and so I'd write these folk songs and arrange them for strings and bass and drums and piano, etc. But then going to New York and sort of learning, learning about engineering and production, but then being surrounded by classmates who are making really varied types of music and then going to see really different kinds of music. Like, it was also part of my curriculum to be learning synths and be making music with synths and sort of checking off the fact that I understood how to use them. So, um, you know, I, I had a couple of years in college where I stopped making music and wasn't really sure what I wanted to make, but then coming back to music um, and having it feel so urgent, the only thing that felt really logical was to be able to sort of challenge myself and express myself in a way that I hadn't before. Now that the light is fading Silver and purple at twilight Scenes of the day remain with us Right as the fire is burning bright When you have the song that you've written, but then you take it to the production phase, and you want to add those rhythms and those elements that make it something that would add energy to a show, what does that process look like? Because I, I got to imagine that does have to be a delicate thing to keep the emotion, but interject that energy. This, for this EP, I decided I, I, instead of starting with songs, I was, I've been really bored of like writing folk songs on guitar. You know, I know how to do that to a certain degree. Um, so I actually started with rhythm and would be producing the song at the same time as I was writing it. So I started with rhythm and then bass and then sort of worked from there and built the track and the song at the same time. One of the things that uh, I think early on uh, people, you know, recognized was the the video that had come out of you at school one day, and that was a, a songwriting workshop, right? That Pharrell came to. No, that was a production master class. Okay, and so he came to kind of critique the different students, and the the video. I mean, I I remember seeing it when it first came out, and I watched it again recently. It's such, it's so incredible to see a guy like Pharrell, who's you know known for his creative abilities with with music, floored by uh, Alaska. What was it like in the room for you in that moment, seeing Pharrell react the way he did? Well, I didn't actually see his reaction that everybody else sees on camera because I was staring at the floor. <laughs> um, so it was pretty. It was pretty weird a little bit later watching the video and being able to see it. I could feel like the restlessness of my classmates, um, and I knew something was happening, but it was really hard to tell what. Um, it was just really overwhelming. Obviously, I have I have the world of respect for Pharrell, and, and never could have imagined that that would have been his reaction. But I never, I, I never really actually don't have such a vivid memory of that day because you know I think that whenever you're being really present, that's sort of what happens. But. I'm really grateful um, for everything that that video has done, but I think the coolest part of it for me is that I actually get to speak about my music before my music's heard. You know, Alaska didn't get passed around like some quote-unquote hot track. You know, I got to actually describe my process and how I got to the place of making it before anybody else heard it, and that actually um, means the most to me.
co-host Maggie Rogers. You can check out her latest EP, Now That the Light is Fading Now. And you can also check out the latest issue of Relevant, where she's featured on the cover, if you want more of that conversation. listening to Calm Trues, Calm oh, Trues, picked choice. by Tyler Huckabee. Right. The, the, the song Ooh. is called Propagation. Tyler, why did you choose this one? Just out of curiosity. I, I love Tom Cruise. I've been a fan of his <laughs> since Boston. <laughs> yeah. Did not know he had a music career, but I'm into it. Uh, I signed up for the yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a defender of the mummy. Come at me. I don't care. Yeah. Days of Thunder, still a good movie. Feels like you already that movie. Night and day, Cameron Diaz. If you get your hand on the clean initiative version of that, whoa. Yes. <laughs> Do not watch the real one. Do watch. It's very explicit. I was shocked. I walked out of the theater. But the, the clean one's just a good, wholesome fun, guys. Someone on an airplane at the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're listening to Calm Cruise. <laughs> Calm Cruise, the song is Propagation. Um, and our, our next interview, we're very excited to have Andy Crouch. Now, Andy Crouch, uh, you know, he's he's basically a household name in a lot of yeah. uh, circles. He's a writer, an editor, a speaker, an author of the new book, The TechWise Family, yeah. which it deals with a lot of issues that uh, is sort of the intersection of like psychology, spirituality, and technology and pop culture, where we are with these you know devices. And I know it's called the TechWise family, but even no matter what your quote-unquote family looks like, whether it's kids or whether it's you and your wife or whether it's just you, and I feel like there's a lot of huge takeaways from this book and this interview. Real quick, without giving too much away, Eddie, because I know you got to talk to Andy about this, Yeah. Uh, uh, why should anyone listen to this, no matter what their relationship to technology is or their family relationships? Well, the, because the conversation is broader than really just how, how this is a part of our family's life. Like this is the umbrella that he puts it under, but he's really talking about technology in its proper place. And he kind of makes, and, and when I went in to this interview and actually reading the book before the interview, I thought, is he going to tell me like, get rid of your cell phones, get rid of your smartphones. It's going to destroy you. And you know, that's not really at this point in history, possibly not an actual option. And he doesn't make that assertion. It's just really having balance. But the way he says that is much more articulate than I just did. And he also gives really practical ways for us to have balance with technology. And one of my favorite quotes in the book is that he's like, he's not asking everyone to be Amish, but maybe a little bit more Amish. And I just really love that there's rhythms that he has put into place in his own life and also in their families' lives that have been um, revolutionary for them, but also realistic. So I, I, I loved it. And you know, Andy is like, he's just one of those thinkers. He did um, remember culture making, that was an incredible yeah. book. This is one of those books where it was like, oh, we've been having these conversations for a while, but you were able to succinctly kind of put a bunch of our ideas together. And it's in a partnership with Barna. So most of the chapters start out with really robust and sometimes terrifying statistics about, you know, the the fact that we go to bed with our cell phones next to our bed. And the first thing we do before we even like talk to anyone is check all our, you know, it, yeah. you know check our devices. And he just 
he uses those facts and then writes about it. Also, he was in Lecrae's song. We can never forget that. That was a very cool moment. <laughs> well, without further ado, yeah, that's a great setup, Eddie. Here is Eddie's conversation with Andy Crouch. So, moment of honesty that the just the title and what I knew the premise to be off the title of the book, Tech Wise Family, made me kind of want to like definitely read this book and not at all touch it because I just felt, I just felt like, I mean, I felt like it was like, I probably was reading the review on Amazon in front of my kids or something like that. You know, and it's just like, I just realized that this is an area of deficit or perceived Uh, deficit and stress. I think for a lot uh, of, a lot of friends and family. So uh, I did read it. And guilt or or incipient guilt. That is so not what I wanted to happen. uh, When people saw the book or people, up the book and it is not what happened when you read the book so i'm projecting Uh, all my junk on a book cover which is (laughs) not what we want right (laughs) but so why'd you write the book what 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 prompted you to do this what just talk about it well a couple things converged to to uh, lead me to write the book i mean one was my friends at barna group who spend lots of time obviously uh, their research organization they're just constantly listening really and asking questions of people and and they they came to me and they said andy this topic of technology especially in family i mean it affects all of us whether we have children in the home or not and whatever age those children may be or may not be uh but they said this is this is just something people feel tremendous uh confusion about anxiety about we have no no guardrails for this no guidelines for this from previous generations so they were starting this new series of books they're going to take original research from barna uh, on a given topic and then some um, more uh, kind of i don't know uh, prescriptive kind of vision uh, you know so research can tell you how the world actually is um, and that's what barna does in this book is tell us what's actually happening with technology and family life and then my job as the author is to tell you how things could be or, or to some extent should be. And, and is there a way to live better than we're living now, actually? Mm. So it was this imitation from my friends there that got me thinking about it. And then I realized that when I was out speaking or in different uh, kind of contexts, and I would mention, for example, that that we didn't get a, a TV until our kids were in double digits because we had this rule in our home or, or kind of guideline for our family and marriage and life, no screens before double digits. <laughs> that yeah. is 10 years old, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would just mention that offhand, you know, um, maybe as an example of how we ought to be intentional about all aspects of our lives. And after any given event like that, these young parents would come up with this almost furtive look in their eyes and they would say, we want to live differently than our friends are doing with like our kids and, and in our relationship and how, what have you done and how has it worked and how did you get away with it? And like, what happened when your kids went over to other parents' houses or whatever? Mm. And I just realized there was this huge need for help with this mm. And the third thing I'd say is I, my kids are now 20 and 17, almost 17. And so you you cannot write a parenting book when your kids are like eight or nine or 10 or 11, because you, you are so aware you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. My daughter, my daughters are are four and five and I'm just so clearly out of my depth. Totally. Right. Right. So you either should write a parenting book before you have children. (laughs) Right. Which I would have had plenty to say about how it should all be. Exactly. (laughs) Watching other people at the grocery store and all that. Or you should write it when you've gotten through just the 
challenges of of the early years, the adolescent years, and your kids have come out on the other end, and they're like, actually, we are so glad you raised us this way. And we, I, I am trying to be so clear in the book, we've made tons of mistakes. We still do tons of things not as well as we should. We have done things really differently from most of our neighbors and honestly, most of our neighbors in the pew at church and our kids are really grateful and um, really glad for it. And so I felt like, okay, I think maybe I could actually write about this now. Mm, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Some perspective and still in the midst of failing. It's like you you were able to like write, write, write in the middle of a Venn diagram, which was great. It was, <laughs> it was very honest. Um, yeah. So you talk about, I was trying to look for the exact quote, but you said, in the book, like in the intro, and it made me laugh. You're not asking us to be Amish, but maybe like just a little more Amish, or well, maybe I am asking you to be Amish. It was something like that. It was very funny. Um, more, more Amish than you think, right? Maybe. No, that's yeah. exactly that's right. Um, and so, what, what was interesting is I, I was going through the book expecting you to say, "Social media is the devil. You got to log off everything. We've got to go." And, uh, and you really don't do that. But there is this kind uh, of sense that we need to be working harder without giving a way all of the info in the book what what are you um what are you hoping that parents at least begin to engage in in terms of this relationship between their family and and technology well you know i think what the thing about the amish is they are intentional (laughs) that is they make deliberate choices as a community about what technology they're going to use and what they're not going to use so they use motors but only fixed motors they don't have motors that can move around now I'm not uh, advocating for the specific choices the Amish have made, but what I am really advocating for is making choices Mm. and actually thinking through not just what are the default settings of the device that I buy or the default settings of the society around me that says, here's how it works, you know, get with the program. But that instead, as families, we ask, what do we want our family to be about? What do we want life in our home to be like? And how are all the different devices that are available to us either going to help us have the kind of life we want, or how are they preventing us from having the kind of life we want? Mm. And that's really the core of what I hope happens, is that... um, and I have some suggestions in the book. Some of what I, we recommend in the book, we have totally done as a family. Other things we've really struggled with and and other things that, that people we really respect have done, we actually have not implemented ourselves as a family. And what I'm offering in the book is just a way to start thinking about making really clear choices uh, based on really a core question. What is going to develop wisdom in us as people? And I'm not just talking about the kids, parents as well, uh, all of us. And what's going to develop courage in us Mm. and and i want every big choice my family makes and of course big choices are usually made up of little choices i want all these choices to direct us towards what family can be at its best which i think is an environment that forms us into persons Mm. and i just think technology doesn't automatically do that technology doesn't make you into the kind of person you're meant to be and family is meant to make you into the kind of person you're meant to be. But if we let technology just sort of take over uh, all of the spaces and times that we have as a family and as persons, we're going to miss out really on the best of life together. And all of this, what you're saying is not only it, it is backed up by a real quantifiable work from Barna. Um, can you share with me some of the more uh, 
eye-opening. I was going to say shocking, but that's me putting my bias on it, right? But eye-opening uh, findings from yeah. from their from their research that you wrote around. Well, I'll two. Let's, let's start with two at least. Um, when you ask uh, parents, and and this is based on surveys done with parents, it's easier to uh, there's. It's easier to do interviews with parents than with kids because right. of just uh, coming of age, you know, ad- adults, uh, you can ask questions yeah. uh, more easily. When you ask parents, uh, do your kids sleep with their phones? Do they sleep in the same room or in the same bed with their phones? Uh, the answer for teenagers is 82%. Wow. And it goes down into the 70s for middle schoolers. Uh, and parents themselves, mo- the vast majority of parents, sleep with their phones. So we're taking these devices to bed with us. The, I think this is a horrible idea for everyone. Parents, huh. middle schoolers, adults. But especially for kids, because the reason kids really, uh, really are attached to their devices, they're actually not attached to the technology. They're attached to the people it connects them to, their friends, right? The problem is kids need sleep and they actually need disconnection from from other kids mm-hmm. for you need a healthy rhythm of the intensity of social life in middle school and high school and the detaching from it that comes when you go home and this used to be just how it worked like you'd, you'd go home from school you'd be with your parents your siblings and there's an intensity of its own there but then you'd go to bed and you'd be quiet and you'd be alone and now that thing is buzzing and blinking and turning on with notifications all night way into the night and the the we know how essential sleep is to every aspect of health for human beings. And um, there's a really interesting survey that was just done in the UK of kids. They they ask kids directly, "What should your parents be concerned about uh, in your relationship with technology?" And you know, there's whatever the parents may worry about, right? Parents worry a lot about sexual content yeah. or other kinds of content coming in. What the kids said. I wish my parents were concerned about is sleep. Huh. They said this is affecting my sleep. Another thing we found in our research, uh, when, and this is from another th- study that Barna did, when you ask, uh, when you do ask teenagers, what do you wish was different in your relationship with your parents? Uh, the number one answer, the thing they're most likely to say is I wish my parents weren't on their devices all the time and would actually talk to me. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's like cats in the cradle playing in the background. That oh, is awful. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it? Oh, Isn't it? That is an awful thing to hear. Right. And, and this is a, a kind of key theme of this book, as you know, Eddie, is it's not about the kids. This mm. is not about grown-ups being like, oh, kids these days, they're so into technology. I'm yeah. like, have you looked at the parents? Have you looked at all of us? Have you looked at moms on a playground? Like, we are all absorbed, and if there were a bottom line here, we're letting these devices sort of get in between us and the things that make for real health, which is face-to-face relationships, real conversation, and at night, real sleep and rest and being detached from all the anxiety of the day. Hmm. Uh, and yet we find, just without really thinking about it, we're, we're just cuddling up to these things in bed in ways that are really going to disrupt healthy relationships and healthy rest. was Andy Crouch. You can check out his new book, TechWise Family. It's out now everywhere. Up next, feedback. Hello, 
resources for a deeply formed spiritual life, Fuller Studio offers podcasts, videos, stories, and more curated from the scholarship of Fuller Seminary's world-class faculty. Listen as President Mark Laverton reflects on wisdom with radio host Krista Tippett. Watch director Martin Scorsese discuss his Christian faith with Professor Cutter Calloway. Read rich reflections on evangelical interfaith dialogue. All this and more available to use freely for any purpose. Explore now at fuller.edu slash studio. That's fuller.edu slash studio. You're listening to Lord Homemade Dynamite. Lord's bringing it, guys. Banger after banger from Lord. All right, Casey Kasem. (laughs) Banger after banger from Lord. Next up, (laughs) Tyler, Tyler, DJ, DJ Tyler Huckabee. Why did you choose Lord's Homemade Dynamite? Well, I love the Lord. I was raised to love Praise the Lord. Praise him. I heard my cry. Oh, I see that hand in the back. Hallelujah. Oh, I see you. Come well, up to the front. I was, I was raised in a Lord-loving household, and, uh, and that's been part of my adult. <laughs> he heard my Amazing <laughs> Come on up. I see you, propaganda. Get him up Tom, here. Tom Cruise and Lord are like, the, are like the twin pillars of my identity right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's good to hear. Thank you. All right. Well, last... Last week, we asked you, what are your best ideas for creative justice? And just for a little context, we talked about how we think that a lot of people would be deterred from committing certain crimes if the punishment was beyond, was a little outside the box. Like we talked about, what if, you know, you got, you stole a car and the judge, instead of sending you to prison, you had to only take rollerblades everywhere you went. That was your only source of transportation for the next two years. Like, I feel like there'd be a lot of those cars stolen. So we had we had a lot of great ideas that I feel like could really revolutionize the criminal justice system. But more importantly, we want to hear your ideas of what are your best cre- best concepts for creative justice. You left us messages on the podcast episode page and on Twitter, and here are a few of our favorites. Here's in a callback to something we referenced a little earlier in this podcast. Uh, Kelsey Buchanan uh, suggested that the guilty, that whoever's guilty, must listen to on hold music twenty four seven for a year. That really horrible, boring hold music. I mean that that's cruel and unusual. Well, especially if you're talking Nickelback, just because the way it bores into. I literally had someone email <laughs> when I was doing the Nickelback challenge where I listened to him for it was only it was only one hundred sixty straight hours. It was or sixty eight straight hours. It wasn't a year, but I literally had someone email me a study that I was taking the whole thing as a joke and it got real because he's like, you know, the, the military has found that doing this for an extended amount of time is, is like psychological torture. Like it creates, creates mental <laughs> breakdown. So uh, it really freaked me out and sucked the fun out of the room. Real buzzkill. But um, uh, yeah, I would warn people that that, that, that that goes too far, even if it's just hold music. I do like this one from Todd. That he has Todd gave three suggestions yeah, for creative Yeah, Todd's are justice. amazing. Every day, so you have to post a status on Facebook, and and during in that post, you have to use the incorrect incorrect version of there, there, or there. So we're talking T H E R T H E I R or T H Y apostrophe 
uh, ER without being able to edit or delete the post despite the unrelenting grammar police in that comment. That would be pure torture. <laughs> Having to watch those comments roll in, knowing you misused it. It is the worst thing in the world to correct wow. someone's grammar. I'm an editor and I make typos all the time. And when people correct me on Facebook, it makes me want to rip their computer out of the wall and jam it into the wall, alarm with an alarm clock so I never have to see it again. <laughs> It's the worst. It really, it really is the worst feeling because you publish something, you're very proud of it, you worked hard on it, obviously, and somehow a typo <laughs> slipped through. And somebody, the first comment is inevitably, uh, you spelled the T E H, and you're so mad because I can't. You, that's not the point of the article, obviously. You didn't. It's not an article about spelling the right. But they're not wrong in correcting you on it. So you just have nothing to do besides break your computer in half and retire. <laughs> but but, but the, the, the worst is like when it's 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 not when it's in the initial comment. It's like, let's say, like you post something like a like a political video. Right. Yeah. And, the, and the argument breaks out underneath the video and someone leaves a, a long, impassioned response that is well thought out. But the first word is like a misplaced there. The, that comment will get like 10 likes. The first comment under it is always asterisked with the correct there. Yeah. And that has like 75 likes. You all your time completely undermined. It is literally it's the, the worst thing that can happen to you on the Internet. Hands down. I love it. I've been catfished. I've had sensitive videos of me leaked. Grammar police are the worst. It's the worst thing. I can have. I've had my identity stolen. I've had my credit score wrecked. I don't care. Do not mess with my grammar on the Internet. It's the worst. Uh, Todd also said real quick, his other punishments was only being allowed to carry the, the groceries in one bag at a time, Lord have especially mercy. to live yes. upstairs. That's 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 terrible. Or, or forced being forced to learn a dead language like Latin and whenever shopping, insisting you only have an associate who speaks to, uh, Latin to assist you. All very good suggestions, Todd. I, I think we would have a lot less criminals. If Todd's pretty creative. PC Walker had a great one, said every criminal should be required to go to a new church every week and purposefully extend the greeting time by shaking hands until someone asks them to leave. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that. I, everybody's clearly sitting down and you're just still like shaking hands and being like, like, interesting, interesting. So where are you from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your family, interesting. Siblings? Yeah. And the pastor is just waiting, waiting, waiting. But you got to extend it. That is punishment. I like the uh, I like the idea. And this was I brought this up last week when we were talking about this, the idea of making the punishment fit the crime. Eric Odom said, uh, texting during a movie should result in receiving an automatic text that spoils the ending of the movie for you. That makes a lot of sense. That's just <laughs> no, a good idea. Dope. That <laughs> one was turns the volume up. <laughs> That's good. That is perfect. Well, we, we got we got a lot of them, some really creative ideas. And, I, it, you know, not only if you just want to be entertained to go read them, but if, you know, you're a judge or you're, you know, some sort of elected official that can implement these, please go read them. Uh, so anyway, thanks for everyone who wrote in. That'll do it for uh, last week's uh, question of the week. Up now. Chandler, you play it right here, man. Editorial question of the week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at this. The editorial question of the week. So uh, we talked earlier in the show about Michael Phelps racing a great white to improve the Shark Week watching experience. We want to hear your ideas for things that Shark Week should do that would really make you. If, if it's not enough to have a former Olympian race a shark, what would you have them do this year to make you tune in? We want to hear your ideas. Head over to Twitter. Head over to the feedback section of the website. Let us know. You might get them read on the show. Tyler, if you had to improve Shark Week with one new segment, what would it be? I, I can't wait. To cancel it and keep people out of the water. <laughs> Jesse, I got mine. I would like to hear okay. an actual sign. 
I would like to hear a scientist that is not Tyler or propaganda tell me why a great white cannot live in captivity. That would be the most boring thing ever. Prop, what do you got? <laughs> I'd like to see an episode starring all black people watching people get in the water. Yeah. <laughs> just a <laughs> yeah. reaction. Do they all just like, what are they would doing? Would they be like providing commentary? Why are you doing providing this? Providing commentary the whole time. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd definitely watch that. Would they be surprised that Michael Phelps is getting in the water? Or are they generally just like, yeah, that's, of course, what Michael Phelps is going to do. That's, yeah, <laughs> no, they're they're just coming up with amazing jokes as yeah. to, like, why do y'all think? They, and then started riffing on stuff like skydiving, bungee jumping. It's like, what's, like, was not, like colonizing the entire planet good enough for you now right. you gotta colonize the water <laughs> i gotta tell you prop we, now you have to just go and, 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 and oppress like a predator by punching it that's yeah, that's that's the level you're literally the level the deep level you're you know what sharks do eat yeah yeah i prop i really like that idea a lot <laughs> no, i would totally watch oh that well if you have other ideas hit us up on feedback we can't wait to hear them uh well guys hey we did it despite uh, despite the rocky start, no, the rough yes. middle, and the terrible ending on my part. Jesse, we finished this bad boy. No, I'd like to say, Jesse, uh, you did a great job. Well, you did great, Jesse. Well done. It's a lot of pressure. You're at the Jersey Shore. You're in the middle of vacation, and you still did a great job. Thanks for leaving. I'm us. still. I, I still got a weird buzz from the vape room three yeah. days ago, which is concerning. Should have. The doctor said it should have gone away by now. But I feel like, hey, another one in the books, guys. Uh, another very, one in the books. Very and special I, episode. I, and and not only thanks uh, to you, Eddie, Prop, uh, Tyler, Chandler, but also thanks to our sponsor, Videobox. A reminder, you go to videobox.com slash relevant creator to get your two-for-one deal right now. That's a uh, uh, get audio box for free when you sign up for your $149 video box subscription today. And also Audible, get in on the sale by June 28th and get Audible for just $99. Learn more about the, the this cool sale they have going on at audible.com slash bins. Also, thanks uh, for to Maggie Rogers for joining us. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter, at Maggie Rogers. Check her out on the cover of the latest issue of Relevant. And also, uh, her EP is out now called Now That the Light is Fading. Uh, check out uh, Andy Crouch's book, The TechWise Family. And Andy Crouch is so cool, and he has so much about technology. This is Andy Crouch's Twitter handle. I, 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 uh, this is legit. At A-H-C. Just He's got cool. a three-letter Twitter handle. He's rad. Yeah, that's baller status right there. Yeah, three-letter. You need to follow that guy. Um, hey, leave us an, a review on iTunes. Probably not this episode, but if just the series in general. If you like it. Find a good one. If you like, yeah, yeah find, a, find an old good one that you really like. Hey, uh, leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. And we really like hearing from you. We like reading, to, we like reading them as long as they're nice. Uh, you can get the magazine. Subscribe now at relevantmagazine.com. You get the new issue. Also, uh, get the iPad edition. And check out the website. Follow us on social uh, on facebook on twitter all the good places and hey thanks for tuning in relevant, subscribe relevant tell your podcast friends. network red couch podcast come on oh dude re- oh hey i can't forget this this was in the notes the uh the relevant podcast network all the season one shows that uh we we kind of launch with are still going strong uh red couch podcast unbelievable show uh hey uh prop if people yeah. downloaded this week give us a, a t- give us a two minute preview of what topics you're they're going to hear about Oh man, the Tupac movie, uh, the death of Philando Castile, mm-hmm. uh, what is a terrorist, and um, accidentally uh, putting your foot in your mouth talking to your spouse. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what did you display that or just talk about it? Uh, we kind of just talked about it. Was that was that on the was that a planned topic or that just happened organically? It kind of just happened. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, oh, hey guys, we should talk well, about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, and also Eddie, Eddie, last week you had an incredible interview with Tony Hale from uh, oh, yeah. VP's Buster. You got to hear a lot about his faith, and like I was surprised. I knew you know because we had, we had talked about that interview beforehand. Um, yeah. But you know, having listened to it, how like con- not con- conflict is the wrong word, but how deeply he thinks about uh, the intersection of faith and activism. Yes. Uh, incredible interview. Who's on the show if they downloaded this week? Who yeah, this week you see everybody with those keys around their neck. Um, they're from this organization called the Giving Keys. And Rick, yeah, Brick Gilmore from the Giving Keys is going to talk about what those keys are about and about the people that make those keys. And she's just a really deep thinker. And it's a great interview. And I can't wait for you all to hear it. I just finished it today. It's so good. Can't wait for that. And also, Shauna, this is actually the, it's Shauna, this is episode eight. So this is the, the uh, closing up season one. She will have this week an interview. A lot of people are going to be waiting for with Jen Hatmaker. Who, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Dang. yeah, that's going to be <laughs> an incredible interview, conversation between two uh, really smart and charismatic people that both have opinions that a lot of people uh, uh, like. So check out Jen Hatmaker. Check out uh, on Sean Nequist podcast. Check out Red Couch. Check out uh, the new activists. And of course, uh, keep downloading relevant. Tyler, you got anything in the works, man? Anything in the works for, uh, for I, don't know, I don't have any podcasts in the works right now. No, nobody's <laughs> offered me soon. one for some reason. Too soon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what about like a reality, you got working on a reality show or a film script or, you know, like an, uh, a Shark Week segment or anything? I, I like that this is the first time in the history of the show you've just tossed it around to like hey, what's promoting our own right thing. Now? And Tyler's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, the, I don't I don't feel like I, I, I'll tell you this. I don't feel like I can say this yet i can't i can't give any names but i am putting the finishing touches today on a feature uh that will be in the next issue of the, the upcoming issue of the magazine i believe and uh and i don't want to tell you what star it is although you've definitely heard this person's name and it's one of my favorite features for relevant magazine i've ever written in my life top three it, it, i'll say this it, i know who it is it rhymes with uh uh lester Malone. Oh, I thought okay. you were going to go big action star. I thought so, you were, uh, were going to go Lester Holt from NBC News. I thought, well, <laughs> I, I'm going I mean, Lester Holt. He's awesome. <laughs> Stone, <laughs> I have to sit down with Lester every day. Holt and Stone Phillips that everyone's been dying. Stone to Phillips. Where have you been since Dateline? Tell me yeah. more. <laughs> what happened, Stone? Are you still alive? Anyway, uh, hey, that'll do it. Uh, uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for Cameron Strang, who's on vacation. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Jalen Strang. I'm Propaganda. I'm Tyler Huckabee. Hopefully we'll still see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe.
Are they smart enough to prevent us from capturing them, putting them in pools, and making them do exotic dance routines? I think not. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.